Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 229. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy and co-founder of the Lend at Fintech conference. Today's episode is sponsored by Lend at Fintech USA, the world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking. It's happening on May 13th and 14th, 2020 at the Javits Center in New York. Lending and banking are converging and Lend at Fintech immerses you in the most important trends of the day. Meet the people who matter, learn from the experts and get business done. Lend at Fintech, lending and banking connected. Go to lendit.com USA to register. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Susan French. She is the SVP and head of product at BBVA Open Platform. Now, BBVA obviously is a well-known, very large international bank. Open Platform is their new banking as a service offering. And BBVA are are real trailblazers here in offering, they're the largest bank offering a banking as a service type product. And I wanted to get Susan on just to, to talk about sort of the genesis of Open Platform, what it is exactly, who the clients are, who they, the types of different clients they're targeting, how they differentiate themselves from others offering banking as a service. And then we spend, we spend some time at the end uh, discussing trends for 2020, and she's got some interesting thoughts there. It was a fascinating interview. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Susan. Thank you. Okay, I like to get these things started by giving listeners a little bit of background. You've had a you've had quite an interesting career at you know certainly some of the major companies in in finance. So why don't you give the listeners just a little bit of background, particularly what you did before you came to BBVA? Sure. Immediately before I came to BBVA, I was at Visa. I was there for twelve years and had a variety of roles. Started out as a product manager in the disputes area, eventually became head of enterprise architecture and uh, head of what Visa calls research and central technology, which was their CTO office. The last thing I did at Visa was to create and launch the Visa Developer Center, which was Visa's program to expose its services externally to the world as mm-hmm. uh, through APIs and other services like it. Uh, before Visa, I ran my own independent consulting company for a number of years, working with fintechs and, and web design firms. And prior to that, worked with a large IT consulting company and ran a division that created and delivered software for banks to use for uh, credit operations. So application processing, credit bureau interfaces, behavioral scoring, collections, recoveries. So I've been working in the financial services business for a long time. Right, right. Okay, so then what was it that made you decide to to go join BBVA? Uh, BBVA was doing some very interesting things. The genesis of banking as a service, BBVA is the only bank of our size in the U.S. that has open APIs for banking as a service. And that was a a nascent project at the time that I first started talking with BBVA. And it was just such an interesting concept to be at the ground floor of building that service and seeing it grow and evangelizing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was just a great opportunity. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So then you basically, you, you arrived at BBVA, it sounds like, before open platform existed, right? So what, so tell us about the, the genesis of BBVA open platform and, and why the bank wanted to do this. Well, the, the very beginning days of open platform was actually a development work that was needed to integrate Simple when BBVA bought Simple. Mm, okay. Uh, at the time that BBVA acquired them, they were connected to a different bank, so a set of integration APIs had to be built in order to enable Simple to integrate with BBVA's core banking system. Mm-hmm. That kind of happened before my time, but when I came along, BBVA had discovered as a result of the experience with Simple that there was a much bigger world of opportunity uh, out there by generalizing and extending the services that were built to support Simple into a much broader banking-as-a-service platform. So when I joined BBVA, it was just the beginning of that process, where we started with the kernel of what was created for Simple and then expanded it and added new features and services, built out a, a robust and scalable platform, both for technology and for compliance and regulatory monitoring and created uh, an, an actual banking-as-a-service business. And that was the opportunity that I came to BBVA to do and that we've been working on in the, the two years since I joined. Right. And so does, so is, is Open Platform really just focused on the U.S.? I mean, obviously, BBVA is a Spanish bank and with, with operations in many, many countries. Uh, so what, what's the geographic footprint for Open Platform? For open platform, we're right now geographically just in the U.S. Uh, We are working to expand our ability to support cross-border payments. That's something we're going to work on probably in the first half of next year. But right now, our focus is on the U.S. for our specific platform. As you probably know, BBVA and the other geographies in Mexico with a, a partnership announced between Vancouver and Uber and the number of the activities in BBVA Spain, there are similar activities going on in most of BBVA's major geographies. Mm -hmm. But for right now, our focus is in the U.S. We think there is plenty of opportunity to support this service in the U.S. before we have to worry about internationalizing. Sure, sure. So let's, let's dig into Open Platform for a minute. and Why don't you tell us the the different types of, of services, the different types of you know, banking as a service, I guess, offerings you have? Sure. Uh, there are fundamentally five services we currently offer on the platform. The first is uh, consumer KYC. So it's a set of APIs and tools that enable our clients to perform bank-grade KYC and SIP review on their consumer customers. Mm-hmm. We have a similar set of APIs for business customers, so business KYB. All of that is digital, so our clients who are using those services can perform KYC and onboard their customers to our platform digitally. We have uh, services related to the opening of DDA accounts, so all those can be done digitally and instantly. Similarly, issuing debit cards associated with those accounts. Our, probably our biggest and most innovative service is what we call Move Money. 
mm-hmm. which is our sort of omnibus payment services. It is a single API that allows our clients to move money from one account to another via a variety of different payment methods, depending on what makes sense. So we support payments via ACH debits and credits, same day and regular, via card-based push and pull, uh, so card pull and card push. Mm-hmm. We have an, an agreement with a bill payment provider that enables us to support electronic bill payments and what we call Pay Anyone, which is a service that allows our clients to electronically generate a check, a paper check, and mail it to anybody who needs to be paid for anything that is required. Mm-hmm. We're looking at adding other payment options in the future, so domestic and international wires. Uh, we're looking at other real-time payments rails to see how those can be integrated. But what's, what's beautiful about the service is that a single integration to the Move Money API would enable a client to take advantage of any of those payment options at their option depending on whether the source and the destination account is a bank account, a debit card, or a bill payment payee. They don't need to build a separate integration to use different forms of payment. Hmm. The last piece is a real-time notification service. So we provide a whole set of real-time notifications around every major event that occurs on the platform that a client can subscribe to and receive in real time. Right, okay. Okay, so that's a, that's a pretty broad set of services. I'm, I'm, maybe we can talk about, I'd love to hear about some of the early clients. Actually, maybe you could talk about when it, I think it was about a year ago you guys launched from Emory. So tell us when you launched and maybe talk us through some of the, the different types of clients that, that you're working with and even a couple of examples sure. if you could. Sure. Uh, we had an early beta at the beginning of last year with a couple of select clients to kind of shake down the service. But we launched the MBA Open Platform publicly in October of last year. So we've been in production live for roughly 14 months. We have a variety of clients on our platform. We have a couple of examples. Well, let me talk generally about who, who would be interested in banking as a service, because that's often a question we get. Sure. It's great, but who, who needs this stuff? We think of our market as being divided up into five broad categories. The first and kind of most obvious is digital banks. So if you want to launch a digital bank in the U.S. and you don't want to get your own banking charter, then you need a bank partner to work with like us who can provide you with the ability to onboard customers, open accounts, issue cards, and make payments. So there are a couple of digital banks who are our existing clients, Simple being one of them. Oslo, which is another BBVA-owned entity, is a small business bank mm-hmm. that sits on our platform. And we've recently launched what with a company, a digital bank called Wise, mm-hmm. which is a small business bank as well uh, on our platform. Second category is what I would call service economy or gig economy businesses. So anybody who needs to pay contractors, pay independent workers, you know, think dog walkers, drivers, delivery people, you know, anyone who's in a sort of non-traditional payroll category needs the ability to embed within their app the ability to pay those people. 
Mm-hmm. And so there's a large economy associated with that. Um, we have a project going with Uber in Mexico that enables Uber drivers there to get paid through uh, an integration between Vancomer and Uber. We don't do that in the U.S. yet, but you can envision similar kinds of projects with clients in that industry. Mm-hmm. The second, third group is what we would call sort of ecosystem marketplaces, where there is a need for affiliated parties to be able to collaborate together in an ecosystem that allows them to perform their business in the same time pay and be paid. One of our current clients is a company called Tuvoli, and they operate a marketplace for private jet aircraft charters Hmm. where they bring together brokers to book trips on behalf of their customers, so people or businesses, and an ecosystem of providers, pilots, aircraft, fuel, caterers, hotels that have to deliver a booked charter. And through Tuvoli's marketplace environment, the brokers and the providers collaborate with each other around booking trips, scheduling them, reserving them. And then when the trip is completed, they use our banking as service capabilities to pay and be paid. Interesting. Okay. Uh, a couple of other prospects that are similar ecosystems. One is around an ecosystem for residential construction, where they're bringing together a collection of builders on the one side who are building residential homes. And on the other side, all of the suppliers and contractors and, and materials providers that need to get paid as part of that process. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a, a, a number of opportunities there. The fourth category is kind of um, traditional disbursements. Enterprises of all kinds are realizing, especially in a B2C environment, that more and more consumers want to receive payments electronically or instantly. And so there's a category of enterprise disbursement use cases for think insurance companies, merchant rebates, Mm-hmm. supplier settlement, merchant settlement, where businesses want to upgrade from paper check disbursements to electronic payments or from electronic payments, slower electronic payments to faster electronic payments. And they want to be able to integrate that directly into their claim system or into their rebate system rather than having to you know, go to some payables or ERP system on the side in order to generate those reimbursements. Right, right. The last pattern is kind of financial wellness. There's mm-hmm. a whole group of, of emerging fintechs around helping consumers mostly better manage their financial lives, whether it's automated savings programs, robo-advising programs, financial budgeting. So a couple of our clients fall in that category. Uh, Digit is one of our largest clients, and mm-hmm. they have an automated savings program where they enable their consumers to connect their external bank accounts to their digit account, set savings goals, digit monitors their spending and income, and finds opportunities when it's safe to siphon off small bits, save them toward a goal. One of those goals could be paying a bill or paying a credit card debt, which is the particular program that they're running with BBVA. Another client is a company called Catch, 
And they are uh, they describe themselves as a portable benefits platform for self-employed people. Mm-hmm. So self-employed people don't have an employer to give them benefits like health insurance, IRAs, investing advice, the ability to save for their, quote, time off. And so Catch is building a platform based on our platform that enables self-employed people to create bank accounts and to use those to take advantage of these benefit services that Catch offers. That's kind of a pretty broad swath through both who our target markets are and who some of our current clients are. Yeah, it's interesting. So it's, it's, you know, there's a mix, there's a mix there. It's, but it's, it seems to be mainly startups you're working with. I mean, I I guess that's probably not, not unusual because they're the ones that have, Kind of a lot of the a lot of the needs for these new services, but are you are you equally focused on you know on more established you know more established companies, even large companies? Oh, absolutely. I think your observation is spot on. That in our initial days, you know, our initial focus was was building and testing with small and medium sized fintech companies who are. Mm-hmm obvious targets for this, but also adaptable and amenable and helped us, you know, define the features of the platform and shake out its operations. But now we are very much engaging with larger and enterprise clients who have a similar need. So whether it's a large fintech that wants to build banking services into their environment or wants to be a bank, or whether it's a large enterprise that wants to add electronic payments or instant payments and disbursements to their environment, they're equally uh, likely targets of opportunity for a service like ours. Hmm. And so is, is the goal to sort of bring, or is the primary goal to bring new customers to the bank, or is this really a like are you kind of a standalone division within BVA that is that is really ind- you know independent of that other goal? Well, we're actually both. Uh, we are uh, an independent venture of the bank. We have a a profit and loss goal, revenue target, just like other ventures of the bank do. But one of the reasons why the bank has been willing to create us and invest in us is that we do bring customers to the bank that the bank might not otherwise get. Mm -hmm. If you think about how BBVA US could build its customer base, the sort of traditional advertising, marketing, direct mail, certainly generates a certain amount of new customer origination every year. But if you think about the network effect of bringing customers to the bank through these third-party relationships, If we have 10 or 20 or 50 of these third-party relationships that could be supported by our platform and each of them brings 50, 100, 200,000 customers with them, Mm -hmm. it's an opportunity for BBVA to add customers, add deposits, and add revenue that greatly eclipses what could be done through traditional customer acquisition channels for a bank. Right, right, sure. Sure. So BBVA has been um, pretty famously one of the more innovative big banks globally. And I know about the, you know, the BBVA innovation centers that are around the world. Of course, there's BBVA Ventures, the venture capital arm. I mean, how do you, how does open platform interface with sort of with these innovation centers and particularly with BBVA Ventures? Well, we are 
as I mentioned earlier, we are an actual independent venture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we exist within a business line in BBVA called New Digital Businesses, which has a couple of different functions. One is to incubate and create new digital businesses. There are several of them on the, that share the same floor with us, including Simple and Aslo. The open platform, which is the, viewed as an enabling platform for that, as well as a business on its own of its own right, and then Propel and Visa Ventures mm-hmm. uh, for, for both investing in, at various levels of investment, uh, other third-party businesses. Right. So we, we serve as a platform for both incubating new businesses and for providing services as needed to the companies that BBVA Ventures invests in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have less of a direct relationship with BBVA's innovation centers only because the U.S. has been a little bit slower to build innovation center capabilities than Spain, for example. Right. So a lot of the of the innovation center activities, the hackathons and the other uh, innovation programs that the, the global bank operates are more Spain-focused right now than they are in the U.S. But I would expect that as the U.S. builds out its own innovation center, we will be very much connected to that as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So then, you know, there, there are there are sort of other companies in this space that are offering this banking as a service, and particularly some of them might be offering one or two of the capabilities that uh, that you guys offer. How do you differentiate what Open Platform offers compared to other banking as a service providers? I think there's a couple of differentiators. If you look at most of the other banking-as-a-service providers who provide white-labeled banking-as-a-service, you typically find that there is a partnership between a technology platform provider and a sponsor bank. Mm-hmm. And so an enterprise that wants to integrate banking-as-a-service from one of them typically has to work with two parties. Right. They have to work with their technology provider and they have to work with whomever the sponsor bank is. Whereas with BBVA, they get all both of those rolled into one. So when they work with BBVA, we are both the sponsor bank and the technology platform, which makes integration more straightforward, which gives them a closer relationship from a compliance and regulatory support point of view than they might otherwise get, mm-hmm. and a more seamless integration from their front end through our API platform to the bank's core. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Now, there, there are other competitors who are similarly structured, who are both the bank and the, and the technology platform. And there are obviously all the big guys, you know, Chase, B of A, Wells Fargo, are building API platforms of their own. However, they've been primarily focused on those API platforms positioned as an alternative delivery channel of services to their existing clients rather than as a white-labeled service like we do. Mm-hmm. Will they wake up one day and discover the opportunity that we see? Probably. Right. But right now, most of them are focused on providing API-based integration as another way for their existing clients to access existing services. Right. And by the time they wake up, you'll have a 
a, a large and very well established uh, you know, offering. So uh, they'll, they'll, they'll be playing catch up. <laughs> okay. So in the remaining time we have, I really I want to switch gears. You know, with this is um, here we are at the end of the decade. We're recording this just a few days before Christmas, and this is actually it'll be published early in the new year. But um, as we you know, we look forward to the, the new year. You're, you're in a very interesting position here at BBVA. I mean, you had your time at Visa. Really interesting to hear your perspective on some of the, the fintech trends. What do you see? Maybe you list some of the, the main themes that you expect to, to be front of mind for the industry next year. Um, obviously, I think banking as a service <laughs> will, right. will continue to grow and become more and more prominent in the affairs of companies in the U.S. Mm -hmm. I think we're just scratching the surface of the number of use cases that can be supported by banking as a service. And I think to the extent that enterprises of all sizes adopt it, consumers and businesses, customers will see, you know, huge improvements in the level of service and convenience they get from those customers because now payments are becoming more invisible or more automatic and banking opportunities exist for a wide variety of, of technology companies to offer. So mm-hmm. obviously we are counting on that from the point of view of the BBVA's continuing investment in open platform, but we also think that as a general trend, uh, we'll see more and more of it coming in the new year. Sure, sure. So what, what are some of the other trends then? I think that we will see some continued growth in the U.S. government's focus on faster payments. I think like most of my colleagues in the industry, I'd like to see it happen faster than I think it's actually going to. Mm-hmm. I mean, that now is, a, is a, a great directional statement, but it's much more years away from being reality than I think we would like. And so I think we, as U.S., Financial institutions are a little bit behind the curve compared to many other countries in the world that have been able to build truly ubiquitous real-time payments. Mm-hmm. And so I hope to see an acceleration of that, of that focus in the new year. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with some of the big techs and, and their sort of banking and payment-related activity. I mean, we've seen the... Google announcement, we've seen what Apple Pay and Goldman are doing, we've seen Amazon sort of get in and then get out of offering checking accounts. It it will be interesting to see sort of who advances farther in developing digital banking and payment services for consumers and businesses, the smaller fintechs that seem to be driving most of the innovation today. Mm-hmm. Or, or the bigger technology firms will finally sort of figure out how they're going to tackle this market and then be able to put their obviously massive investment and, and brand weight behind it. I would love to see and hope to see continued growth in ubiquitous mobile payments and contactless. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of improvement in penetration in the U.S. over the last year. I'd love to see it happen faster. Uh, I think mobile payments 
not necessarily mobile banking, but mobile payments has a huge upside opportunity that I hope will accelerate uh, significantly in the coming year. Yeah. Okay. So, and we're almost out of time, but I, I would like to get your your take on the digital banking space because that it, it's been one of the one of the themes for 2019 is this incredibly rapid growth and on and big funding rounds that we've seen in you know, from these digital banks you know, you've got you know Chime and Dave that now have many many millions of customers and adding adding them at a very rapid rate um you know you've got you know in Brazil you've got New Bank you've got in the UK you've got you know Revolut and Monzo and and Starling Bank N26 in 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 Europe as well I, I it seems to me that you know they these these digital banks are adding customers faster than some of the biggest banks in the world can add them so what's your what's your take looking at it from your perspective on on you know what the what the prospects are for these digital banks I think that's a, it's a very interesting question and I agree with you there's you know, new digital banks are popping up everywhere. And some of the, the big established digital banking names in Europe, particularly N26, Monzo, and Revolut, are, have announced their plans to move to the U.S. And, and tackle the U.S. market. And as you noted, some of the digital banks like Chime are, you know, have entered the unicorn territory now in terms of their value. I think a couple of things most of them are announcing, as you noted, very rapid growth in the number of customers. What they don't talk about is the number of active customers. Mm-hmm. Our own experience has been that there's a lot of experimentation by consumers. Uh, they sign up for these accounts because they want to see what the experience is like. You know, is this is this a more intuitive, more pleasant, more engaging experience than the last one I tried? but they don't necessarily deposit money and they don't necessarily transact. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see a lot of churn uh, for a while until the ones that have the most compelling value proposition and the ones that are able to build an engaging experience that keeps the same consumer coming back all the time will emerge. Right. And some of the others will tend to fall by the wayside. Mm-hmm. The challenge for these digital banks is how do I build competitive differentiation? Right. You know, how many no-fee checking accounts can you offer? <laughs> uh, or you have to find something else that creates a, competitive, a compelling value proposition or an engaging enough experience that people stick with you rather than the others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the ease of establishing an account with a digital bank is both a, uh, is a double-edged sword it's really easy to apply and really easy to be and frictionless to become a customer, but then it's easy to do the same thing with the next bank that comes along. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. Okay. So last question then. I'm just curious about as you look ahead personally to 2020, what are you working on that you think is, is, is that you're most excited about for, for next year? I think there's two things. One is just, scaling the platform and as we talked about earlier sort of working with larger companies that have more complex needs and much larger scale would love to see us you know double triple quadruple the scale of clients and transactions that we're processing but the other thing that we're focusing on is just adding more options to the platform so right now we can digitally open 
checking accounts. But, you know, we'd love to be able to add the ability to digitally open other kinds of accounts and, and expand that service for our clients. Mm-hmm. And we're always looking at adding more ways to pay. Right. So whether it's adding RTP integration or it's adding Zelle or it's adding inertial fires or whatever the next, you know, option is, the more opportunities we can provide our clients to use whatever payment rails make sense for their customer using the single integration we provide, and it just adds that much more value to our platform. Right, right. Sure, sure does. Okay, well, we'll have to leave it there, Susan. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity to chat. I really appreciate it. Okay, see ya. Bye. You know, I think BBVA are in the right place at the right time with their open platform offering. Banking as a service is going to be a huge trend of the 2020s. I think, you know, we, we talk about embedded finance, which is really what this is. I think the, the reality is every single company on the planet has a financial function. And that is, you know, that is really underutilized. And what banking as a service does, what embedded finance does, it's going to be a bit more and more granular, I think, as time goes on. And companies are going to be able to offer, you know, small, medium, large companies are going to be offer a, a range of financial services that could have only been offered by banks in the past. And I think it's, it's super exciting. And I think it really feels like to me as a complete rewiring of the financial system. And it's going to happen in this decade. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Today's episode was sponsored by Lendit Fintech USA, the world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking. It's happening on May 13th and 14th, 2020 at the Javits Center in New York. Lending and banking are converging and Lendit Fintech immerses you in the most important trends of the day. Meet the people who matter, learn from the experts and get business done. Lendit Fintech, lending and banking connected. Go to lendit.com slash USA to register.